Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Within the Lines would not be possible without Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and has been how we have made our podcast for over two years now. Anchor has everything we could need to make a podcast. And if you were thinking about starting your own podcast, you definitely should take advantage of their resources. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. We have fancy mics. You don't need a fancy mic to use Anchor. When hosting on Anchor, you can even distribute your podcast to listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Wherever you want to listen to your podcast, Anchor does that work for you. You think me and Tyler are smart enough to figure this stuff out by ourselves? Absolutely not. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And of course, the best part, because me and Tyler are cheapies, Anchor is totally free. Anchor's been great for us. It's been what we have been using. Um, we highly, highly recommend it. And if you were thinking about making a podcast yourself, we encourage you to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Let's get back to the pod. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines. Coming at you on Wednesday, June 16th, 2021. It's been a little bit, about a week and a half. Tyler's bachelor party weekend happened, so we weren't able to record. And look, our schedule's a little shaky, you know, the, the past uh, past month or so, but we're going get to it, get it together. Sports is maybe becoming a bi-weekly thing. Maurice just yawned. I don't know if you heard that. Um, but today we're reviewing In the Heights. In the Heights. Lin-Manuel Miranda's... Uh, I'm assume award-winning play. I don't know if it actually is award-winning. We're just gonna go with uh, it. Film ad- adaptation directed by the guy who directed Crazy Rich Asians. I'm gonna get the name on that after that. That's terrible uh, research by me. But that was an interesting. It's a musical. It's an interesting film, different than what we normally watch. John M. Chu is what Tyler just told me. Um, but before that, we have two episodes of Loki to talk about. Probably just gonna talk mostly about episode two that just dropped uh, midnight. You know, so we're kind of running on a little bit of sleep here, but. That's we got what a lot we do. To, we got a lot to talk about, Ty. Let's get into it. 20, 20, 10, 5, touchdown! High fly ball into right field. She 
I don't feel so good. Hulk! Smash! Hey, look up. You can put it on the board. Yes! Okay, Loki, Ty. Two episodes in the book. Two out of six? I don't know how long the series is. Um, of course. So we didn't talk about this last week again. We took like a week and a half kind of impromptu break. You know, we've been consistent for two and a half years. A little inconsistent here. That's okay. This summer, we're partying. Fuck You're yeah. getting married. Fuck yeah. Um, but spoilers, of course, as always, when we talk about these shows. Heavily. Um, heavily spoiler spoilers. I, I just... I 1998 we... Honda hatchback spoilers. <laughs> I just feel good being able to talk about this because it's just... This was the one I was most excited for. And Falcon and the Winter Soldier was... Okay, so six parts um, for Loki. Okay. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was very good. And I enjoyed it very much. And kind of the... I don't want to say political because I don't like calling those kind of things political more so than the cultural yeah, aspect of it was fantastic. But let's be honest. It wasn't our cup of tea in terms of speculation. <laughs> Very true. Um, which I swore off speculating after WandaVision because I, I speculated a little too hard. I feel like that was a good cool off period for you because you weren't going to give up speculating. <laughs> but that was a nice little we're not going to give him anything to speculate about. <laughs> so you could hit the reset button and be all in for this. Um, but with this, it's a little bit different still, because we're kind of speculating about what could happen in the future, but it's not like WandaVision, there was just so many unknowns with that whole, you know, her creating that reality and all the the wonkiness that was involved. Weird shit. And literally casting a different Quicksilver to play this version of Quicksilver. (laughs) Um, this is a little bit different. Um, you know, this, we're kind of speculating what could happen with the show and what could happen next, but I, it's also the third show. It's our third time around. So I don't know. It just, it. I feel like WandaVision, I don't think any show will ever live up to that show in terms of the speculatory. Just because it was the first show, and I don't know. It, it was the first show, and not only that, is it was designed for, like, what the fuck is going on. Yeah. And in Marvel, that's such a thing where the community will just go batshit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and you could do that in other shows and people will be confused like what's happening. But when you do that with Marvel and you strictly design a show to keep the audience in the dark, they're going to lose their shit. Falcon the Winter Soldier, it was an adventure, you but you kind of understood what was happening throughout most. You know, who was the broker and shit, but like yeah. that that wasn't as important. Everyone kind of had an idea. Yeah. Um this is more along the lines of what the fuck's going on, but not even close to WandaVision level. Yeah, and one thing I liked about this show so far is kind of the the pacing of the show so marvel is the kings at doing this but i fall for it every time is their trailers always only have you know scenes from like the first episode or first two episodes yeah um there i think there was some scenes from the trailer that still haven't shown up yet like there's that scene of him standing with all the people that are dressed at, like vikings store. or whatever yeah i so. thought that was gonna happen in this episode at the fucking yeah mall thing so there's some stuff that's been in the trailers that hasn't happened yet but just through two episodes like I thought the even after episode one, I thought this entire show was going to be him trying to catch this figure, and then we find out it's Lady Loki, and then it's like, okay, what ne- happens next? It's like, no, boom, we get that in episode two. Lady Loki sends everything to shit, and now it's like, I have no idea what their, you know, the direction of this is going to be. I thought what happened in episode two is pretty much just going to be drawn out through six episodes, and it wasn't. Yeah, and, and I feel like moving forward, we need to pay attention to how how many episodes they send out as screeners. Um, because like big insiders and shit got two episodes and got okay. to watch these two episodes. Okay. And that's very telling because no one knows where the fuck the story is going from here. Yeah. Um, but like we should pay attention to that because they did a great job of just completely subverting expectations with yeah. this episode 
and it was an electric ending. Yeah, so, you know, TVA hires Loki, all this stuff. You know, they kind of do – it's like a detective episode, which was cool. Um, Tom Hiddleston's great, as always, as Loki, but the, the big reveal at the end, um, you know, we don't have to do a step-by-step episode breakdown. But the other Loki that he's hunting is Lady Loki, which has been, you know, talked about since I was looking up just stuff about Lady Loki. And there was an article last March about Lady Loki yeah. and how she could come into the Loki series that was originally supposed to be like last October or whatever it was supposed to be. But uh-huh. so it's been talked about for a year and a half now. So it wasn't like a huge surprise, but um, it was still cool to see. I mean, I don't really know that actress, if I'm being honest. I, I yeah. know a lot of people were standing over her, but I'm not familiar with her work either. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, it was known that there was going to be a Lady Loki. I I thought it was a different actress. Okay. I think there's another actress confirmed for this show mm-hmm. who people thought was playing Lo- Lady Loki. Yeah. Um, but no, I like it. And especially when they're going through like the different versions of Loki. And they're like, this one does this. And it's all Tom Hiddleston's face on like a fucking ogre body and like different shit. Yeah. And then you get that, that twist of a completely different fucking female version. Yeah. Um, it was cool, but like you said, like the detective episode, mm-hmm. I really fucking like uh, Tom Edelston and Owen Wilson's chemistry. Yeah, they're great, They're man. fucking electric on screen. We need more Owen Wilson. <laughs> I love this man, and I love him getting his fucking moment in the spotlight in an MCU project. Yeah, Owen Wilson's great, and they've been great together. Um, yeah, and the Loki thing, the gender thing, I know like in the comics there's kind of like this gender fluidity kind of deal where it's like he's – because he's a god, he's – technically it's like just one of those things where it's like he can be it can be whatever no but um well he can like fucking change his shape and everything like he was captain america and first that like he can do whatever so i don't think it's locked in stone sophia d martino is playing lady loki that's the actress okay um yeah and then she so she lures him in um i think she knew all along that loki was going to figure out what she was doing you know they he found out that she's hiding in apocalypses and they go to a future apocalypse in alabama 2050 it was a hurricane and she gets all the tva agents there she gets loki there and she sets off a fucking a time bomb pretty much yeah. a time bomb with all the different you know reset charges and everything and you know the episode ends with her kind of going through that portal going where we don't know find out next episode loki followed loki follows tva still at the uh, the warehouse store and we just get the scene of the line, the the sacred timeline, just branching off in so many different directions. I know there were some important dates that you picked up on. Some locations, too. Some locations. What was the important date you picked up on? Zach? It was just the one. It was just, <laughs> a little, it was just a little Easter egg. Um, I don't even know if this is when the movie came out, but the number one movie in the world was, quote, the world is not enough. Nice. That's a nice little fucking teaser there. There was also – there was Asgard in, like, the 1300s. There was Sakaar, which is yep. the planet that's um, – grandmaster thor ragnarok all that and there was um i saw i didn't see the on the screenshot but someone said that um help me here sakar no i already i just said sakar the planet and guardians that Um, thanos gets the the stone from. nowhere no vormir vormir that was an end game not guardians jay no no not vormir then the the one that were john c Riley's planet oh i don't know that name anyways that was nova core that was um one of the, the the things too. They also had Titan on there, like nineteen eighty three. I feel like that's a branch where shit doesn't like go to hell on Titan, and Thanos is just a cool, chill guy. Bro, I just thought of something. Sup? Okay, so let's talk about this first. First, you know, a lot of people are saying that this is creating the multiverse. That Lady Loki just created the multiverse. Once they go past that red line or whatever, which it never did, so like they could go back and do a mega 
a mega pruning. Yeah. And stop it. But yeah, my take on this is that these lines do not represent the multiverse and how people are understanding it. Um, you know, Marvel fans are very hungry for their multiverse. They've been hungry I need for it, it forever. Um, and you know, when you te- when you say the word and you have a movie coming up, Multiverse of Madness, and you tease and, it in like three other fucking projects, <laughs> and you know, Spider Man, all the different you know villains from other you know properties are confirmed. Um, oh, fuck, I did you see mind. the thing? Just a little tangent here. Tyrese Gibson said how uh, Morbius was <laughs> part of the MCU, and yes. then Sony came out like we are not part of the MCU. Yes, like. I don't think that they're actually part of the MCU. I think that's literally just him actually being a little confused. <laughs> like, I, I think that's truly someone you just don't take anything he says. <laughs> like, he just doesn't. He was just like, I'm in a superhero movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but So I don't think these branches necessarily are creating these multiverses that are branching off from the sacred timeline. I think at the end, um, something will happen where the TVA will be destroyed because that's the – you get the intro video, you know. If it gets past the red line, you know, chaos happens. No, no, no. madness happens. She said madness. Madness happens. Multiverse (laughs) madness happens. Um, I don't think these lines themselves are necessarily the creation of the multiverse. I think these lines, you know, whether Marvel could throw a curveball and TVA could literally squash those lines in episode three. Yep. And then the rest of the series is kind of about how Loki and Lady Loki are trying to work together to yeah to obtain the end goal so that could be a curveball that a lot of people probably wouldn't see honestly is if they fix this problem now and then you know so it's like a mega pruning of that event yeah somehow um but at the end of it the end goal i think is to get rid of the tva i I don't think the tva exists after this because it you know you have the whole thing like everything happened for a reason up until this point you know even with the avengers going back in time and getting the stones and everything and it's just such like a a good cop-out kind of thing to use but then if you truly want to go into this multiverse and all this craziness afterwards, then you kind of have to get rid of them now. Yeah. Um, also, in just my headcanon, um, the Avengers lost to Thanos like millions of times. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Strange's one real reality. Like, they kept losing. TVA kept having to come back and hit reset charges till they finally fucking won. That's mm-hmm. just headcanon. That's, so that's canon in your head? Just in my head. Because Doctor Strange was like, there's only one way that we win. They just kept losing, and the TVA was like, nope, not the right timeline. Nope, not the right timeline. But you could say in every single timeline, Doctor Strange sees what the other possibilities are and sees there's only one way to win, so they don't actually ever get into that other timeline. No, my headcanon is they keep getting fucked up and killed by Thanos, and Owen Wilson has to keep showing up and resetting <laughs> things. That would be a cool, like, Easter egg. Like, not part of the show, but maybe, like, just a bonus, like, they're losing to Thanos, and then you see Owen Wilson coming through the portal and just, like, fucking Thanos up real quick. <laughs> like, like nothing. She's like, again, guys? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's the end goal is, you know, eventually something with the multiverse. It has to. They're running out of time. And, you know, I thought maybe – I said that maybe the end of Spider-Man. I That was my, you know, theory with you was that the, at the end of Spider-Man, that's when the multiverse was created somehow. Mm-hmm. Or – because Spider-Man's before Doctor Strange, right? Yes. Um, so maybe it could be, you know, end of this, Spider-Man kind of plays into it a little bit. And then, I don't know, because the timeline of everything's messed up. We don't know, like, where this happens. Well, this this show itself isn't really happening in real time in relation to Marvel anyway. So you could really say that this happens whenever, like, the sacred timeline ends, you know. That hurts my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, how far in advance is the sacred timeline? Because Owen Wilson said the thing, they're keep they keep making it, but, like, Sure, if Loki and, you know, Lady Loki break it now, why is it affecting it in real time? But I also saw some theories that maybe the stuff we've already seen, like the um, WandaVision and whatnot, that's already with the timeline broken. 
And that's how Wanda was able to go into the different realities and pull out Evan Peters, you know, even though it was Ralph Boner and everything. But <laughs> um, and that's how she heard her kids in a different, you know, universe. Yes, that's diverse. Because I don't understand how time works, but there was a thing like, what if this exact moments when she heard Billy and Tommy, when like the other realities started to branch out, that's when she heard them and made that connection. Yeah. But I don't understand how time works. So because that that happened in. 39 AD on the timeline. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, Ty. Um, one thing I just thought of right now, though, so I don't think this is crazy the multiverse, but MCU. Okay, so they have that what if show. Yeah. Like, obviously, the what if show is not canon with the rest of the MCU, but what if they just do a fun little twist where all these what if stories they're telling are those branches just to like kind of tie together a little bit? Fuck yeah. Like in this branch that, you know, it's all the stuff that happens between the red. Yeah, like in this branch, you know, that was caused by this or whatever. And, again, it doesn't have to be canon, no. but it could just be, like, a subtle thing at the beginning that they say just for, so Marvel fans could be like, oh, that actually, dope. that's pretty cool. You know, way to tie it in at least. And, you know, in this branch, you know, there's the lady Captain America and, you know, so on and so forth. They have, like, the little Miss – what is her name? Miss Time, Miss whatever, the little animated clock girl. Yeah. They have her, like, show up in the show to, like, explain things. <laughs> and then it's just animated. It's yeah. just her visions of it. Yeah. I think – I, will they do that? I don't think they have to. I think they could literally just say, what if this happened? You know, kind of because the comics, you know, a bunch of shit's happened. But that would be yeah. a cool way just to just to relate Tie it all a the projects bit. together. Yeah. Instead of it being its own standalone thing, have it actually relate to something else. Yeah. Will they do that? I don't know. Um, I want to see one where Thanos is just a chill dude. Everyone on Titan, listen to him. And he's like, thanks, guys. Now I don't have to fucking kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you had a little uh, theory about the TVA. And the future of this show. Them, them some bad motherfuckers. So I now I didn't think of this myself, but now that you've said it, I'm all on board. I'm all on board this train. Yeah, it's just there was a quote-unquote multiversal war. Yeah. And eventually they ended up on one sacred timeline. That sounds like someone won the war. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just controlling their reality, and they want their reality to be the only reality so they can stay in control. Which it feels like Lady Loki is aware of that. Yeah. And she's trying to make it to where I don't think everything will break into chaos because, like, even in this episode, Loki says your TVA propaganda. Like, it's like, oh, trust us. Everything will break into chaos if we're not the ones in control. Like, that sounds like a like a dictatorship mentality type thing. Yeah. Like, you need us to lead or everything will go to shit. You need us. Like, we have to be the ones like. And I feel like they have bad intentions and like Owen Wilson's character and some of the people. I think maybe like the judge girl is aware of it. Yeah, and in on it, but mm-hmm. like Owen Wilson and the other TVA agents have no fucking clue. Well, yeah, they even had that conversation, you know, in the in the hall where they're kind of talking about the meaning of life and everything, and how Owen Wilson's you know um, character was kind of just put there, whatever, by the timekeepers, and like that could be like kind of subtle foreshadowing in a sense. You know what I mean? Like he because he, he said he believes in it, and he knows it's. I think he said his purpose. He found purpose to protect the sacred timeline. And then, you know... Oh, it's it's what the fuck Loki said. His, his divine... Not not purpose. It was the name of the first fucking episode. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that could be some foreshadowing where we get it at the end. And character building... And this just makes sense from a kind of a screenwriting and like a story building perspective is building up Owen Wilson's kind of belief and trust in the TVA. And you really do believe him. And then, it you know, at purpose. the end... Glorious purpose, <laughs> and at the end, it comes out that you know, 
again, he doesn't know about it, but the, the TVA is, you know, controlling their reality because they want to be in control, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then you get that character moment with Owen Wilson where he has his realization that, like, his divine – divine what? Purpose. Purpose. Is that really what it was? Divine it was, yeah. It was the oh. first episode. Divine purpose wasn't what he thought it was, and then he has that kind of self-guessing moment, and like, am I even real? And like all this stuff, and you know, just from a character building standpoint, like if they're going to go that direction, they've already laid the stones to kind of have that kind of dynamic in the future. Yeah, and there would be very good like parallel character arcs there with like Owen Wilson's Mobius doing that for Loki. Mm-hmm. Like what you believe isn't what you believe. Like there's something yep. else at work, that, see, and then that's having more. Loki being the one to show Mobius like what you believe isn't the thing by the end. Yeah, and that's not even like we're looking at this from almost like a storytelling perspective. Yeah. Not even so much a like you know they didn't foreshadow that the TVA is bad yet, but this is just you know how they're telling the story now kind of sets up for that kind of change you know and it, moment at the end, and it just makes perfect sense. I think you're on something, Ty. I like this. I hope we're right on this. So what's Lady Loki's end golden? To fucking get rid of the TVA. Allow the multiverse to exist. And it's a good thing. Yeah. Because right now, there's one timeline because of a dictatorship, essentially, yeah. on the timelines. And they're ruling everything, as opposed to allowing for free will and anything to happen that people want to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, maybe that goes to shit and Doctor Strange got to clean some stuff up. Yeah, but right now it don't sound it don't sound so free, Jay. I like it, Ty. That's a that's a it's just a classic spin too, where Lady Loki ends up being. I think it still be a little bit of anti-hero. I mean, she could be wanting she could still do the I want to get rid of the TVA because they're dictators, so I could be you know in charge of it. Like they could still do something like that, you know. Well, no, because even in this episode, she said I don't want to run the TVA. She wants to destroy it she didn't say and run her own it, but... thing. Oh, that's so. what, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. I hope we get like a different – do we get girl Thor? <gasps> Jane. Jane. Is that how there's going to be a girl Thor in Love and Thunder? Like it's not the same Jane if, Foster from this universe? She just shows up and – that makes so much sense if there's a lady Loki that a lady Thor would show up and then whatever happens with the multiverse and that's what we get in Thor Love and Thunder is her in that reality. Yeah, it's not like the Jane Foster from this universe. It's, it's the a Jane Foster from the universe where she's Thor. Yeah. And Lady Loki's Loki. Yes. And they're sisters. Yes. That'd be pretty sick. I think that deserves an article, Ty. <sighs> You're right. <laughs> You're right, it does. <laughs> because that that can also explain, like, you know, because if they were just going straight up Natalie Portman's character from this universe, they have to do the whole, like, breakup, makeup bullshit and, like, explain how she becomes Lady fucking Thor and she's jacked Cancer. as fuck. And... Okay. In the comics, she gets cancer oh. or something happens. Okay. I thought you were just being No, I wasn't dark. just giving her cancer. <laughs> Someone else did that. <laughs> um, so that. But that's a good way to um, to do it. Fuck yeah. So I'm, I'm so excited for the rest of the series. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I fucking love the song I Need a Hero. And when this episode <laughs> opened on that, I was like, this show's for me. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. Is it because every time you hear that song, you think that someone's like talking to you? Like you're the hero? Oh, I'm the hero? Yes. Honestly, it was probably at that old Dorito commercial where the guy was just, like, an average Joe going up against, like, sumo wrestlers and, like, arm wrestling competition guys. <laughs> I don't even remember that. It was, like, Super Bowl commercial, and he's just, like, running out. It's like, I need a hero, and it's just, it's just like, this chubby white guy just doing incredible feats. <laughs> I'm glad you like Loki, though. This is the one I was most excited about, so. And it's been great. So far, I think the first two episodes have been 
on par with WandaVision, but I feel like this can continue that track record yeah. better than WandaVision did. Yeah. Um, Falcon the Winter Soldier was it was good, but it was a slight disappointment. Yeah. Uh, this feels like the it has the capacity to live up what the MC like to the MCU's like standards. I'm just a little bit bummed that we probably won't see that much. At least maybe not in episode three. Owen Wilson and Loki on the screen together. Yeah, it's probably gonna be a lot of Owen uh, Loki and Lady Loki discussing and figuring shit out. Yeah, it's like the shit in Pompeii. This episode was funny. Shit! Oh, the volcano! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone's about to die, and he's just freeing goats. <laughs> They're having a fucking blast. Um, yeah. So I think episode three, I could totally see, totally it, totally see it being like this transition episode that we've seen. You know, with WandaVision, they had an episode where, you know, what's her Agnes was literally just explaining everything to Wanda. Yeah. That was what, episode eight? Yes. Episode seven. One of them where it was, it was literally. a flashback episode yeah. and everything, yeah. I could see that being episode three. So I could see some people obviously still liking it, but, like, not. I don't know. I feel like maybe expectations have been tempered a little bit but from WandaVision and those expectations. But I feel like I could see that episode three and Lady Loki kind of explaining a lot of shit. And we don't even see that much TVA. And it's like almost all Lady Loki. They're on the Loki. back burner. Yeah. And then, you know, episode four, whatever. They have four more to go. So. Yeah. And they've been pretty long, too. They've all both been 52, 53 minutes, about 45 minutes with credits. Like, it's that's perfect. Good. That's perfect for what you need for these. It gives you time to just kind of have those character moments while also moving the narrative forward. Um, not rushing through things. Yeah. Um, I fucking love it. Yeah, because you figure if this was a movie, like, we would have 45 minutes. Yeah, we'd have one more third like episode at the end of the movie. Yeah, final action scene, and that's it. But this has been just perfect. It's been great, man. Um, I'm excited for episode three next Wednesday. Um, we'll be back at you. We're getting a consistent schedule releasing on Wednesdays while Loki's coming out. Loki Wednesdays is also within the lines Wednesdays. Um, next week, we're reviewing Luca alongside Loki, so we got the Loki Luca. Uh, dynamic going luca is the the disney animated not pixar or is it pixar oh it's pixar is it yeah it's um streaming this friday on disney plus i believe it's one of those 30 dollars i believe so um i could be wrong about that either way it's also going to be in theaters i would assume um so go see that spend the money you'll be able to watch the film if you're already a disney plus subscriber so it's free why are they giving the pixar movies away for free I don't know. It's kind of shitty. I wonder if... I don't know. It doesn't say if it's Premier Access or not. Either way, like, people have the opportunity to go see it. I definitely recommend it because Pixar just makes everything great. I'm saying I recommend, like, I've already seen the movie. This week, we're reviewing In the Heights, Lin-Manuel Miranda, as already mentioned, his first Broadway musical that he produced, directed. I don't know. I know it's based off a book, just like Hamilton was, you know, based off a Hamilton biography. Um, it's based off history <laughs> directed by Marcus M. Choi Cho. Is that what you said? John, John M. M. Chu. John M. Chu. Um, he was the director of crazy rich agents. Fantastic movie, which I've been telling Tyler to watch. Oh no. Never mind. Continue. Um, starring Anthony Ramos from Hamilton. Um, <laughs> you gotta be fucking shitting me here. What? You know what else he directed? What? Justin Bieber's never say never. <laughs> <laughs> really i don't know i don't know if this is right i don't know if this is the guy it says he directed this director 28 credit crazy rich asians in the height what the fuck 
Talk about a filmography. G.I. Joe Retaliation, Justin Bieber's Believe, Step Up 3D, and then just two fantastic films. One award-winning film. Oh, fantastic. Are you, uh... Well, I just, like, this is a well-received critical film. It's got, like, a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whether we agree with that is separate from what the public perception of it is. Yeah, I mean... Nine, yeah, ninety-seven percent, ninety-five, ninety-six percent, ninety-five audience, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, starring uh, Anthony Ramos from Hamilton, as I mentioned, he played um, his son and the other guy. Yeah, he's like the third guy, yeah, or he's like the fourth guy in, in the fifth, well, fourth male in the in the play. In fourth, Hamilton. who's like fourth most prominent in my eyes? I got Lynn, I got Burr. Uh, Lafayette slash Thomas Jefferson. Oh, you put him above Burr. No, I just n- oh. no particular order. Burr, okay, and George Washington. Okay, that's fair. Who's also he just got? This. He's just got the two. Both of the impactful deaths are him. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> like he dies as his friend at the beginning, and then he dies as his son at the end. <laughs> uh, Lynn plays the uh, little Piraguro. Piraguro. I appreciate you trying that because I wasn't gonna. Um, he's just like the little, you know, ice cream man, whatever. Um, got a catchy little song. Um, George Washington in Hamilton, he plays just a little, another ice cream man. It's just kind of like a funny kind of casting. Yeah. I can't think. What's his name? What? The George Washington's character. Mr. The, the freeze truck guy? No, the actual guy. Oh, the actor? Yeah. I don't know fucking clue, Jay. Christopher Jackson. He's a great singer. Um, so, yeah, this is a musical movie. Some dialogue. All, a lot of music, a lot of yep. dancing, a lot of choreography. Um, I hope they make a Hamilton movie after seeing this, and there's some dialogue and stuff. I feel like there's a lot of potential there, even though they already did the Hamilton kind of Broadway release. They could easily do a Hamilton movie. That is a cash grab. Why wouldn't they do that? Um, but they, would they use the same same cast? No, I think they would recast it. Okay. Um, I listen- people would be mad about, oh, not this version of the song. I don't like this version. Well, then they can go watch the fucking Broadway one that's on Disney+. Plus. Okay. Everyone's happy. Because um, they're doing a Dear Evan Hansen movie, which me and Rice saw on Broadway, not to brag. Um, but they're using the same guy yeah, who looks significantly well, too old for the role. Well, they could – they could. I think with Alexander Hamilton – I don't know why I called it Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> I think with Hamilton, they could probably cast the same people. It's <laughs> like, I think Alex would work fine. <laughs> um, this was a little different because Lynn was younger when he played the main character, and he's a little too old now. Um, and Anthony Ramos kind of fits that age range a little bit better, so – Anthony Ramos is Hamilton in the next one, in the movie. Um, Usnavi, main character, named after the U.S. Navy boat that I, his father I, saw on the DR. I laughed at that, and I fucking love it. Um, yeah, man, so it's a story. It's, you know, Washington Heights. How do you have our synopsis? Uh, yeah, Jay, In the Heights. Um, a film version of the Broadway musical in which Usnavi, a sympathetic New York bodega owner, saves every penny every day as he imagines and sings about a better life. In the Dominican Republic. In the DR. He wants to go back. He buys his dad's shack. And, you know, more so than anything, this is kind of just like a a peek into Washington Heights, you know, the neighborhood in New York City. You know? Absolutely. I've been to New York. haven't been to Washington Heights. Um, it's kind of – there is a story, and there's multiple kind of storylines. You know, his – you have the daughter going to Stanford, dropping out. You have the girl trying to get the, the apartment that ends up being his love interest. Mm-hmm. All these things. Um, but it's really meant to be just a – a look inside of, you know, this this community. Yeah. 
Um, and it's it's a Broadway play in that way. You know, Broadway plays n- aren't as story driven as a movie is at times. You know, it's, they're not as linear. Yeah, you're gonna have different storylines and plots going on and jumping around to different. Well, and that's also yeah, just by design of set pieces and yes. costume changes and all that kind of. You stuff. You have to have so. people off stage to tell a different sto- a side story, a B and C story, as you're telling the A story. Yeah, which lends to a more scattered movie. Yeah. But something, if you know what you're looking at, you can still appreciate. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it, it very much looked like a musical that they turned into a, a film, for sure. Um, I haven't seen the original musical at all. I did listen to the In the Heights song with Lin-Manuel Miranda singing it. Pretty good. Okay. Um, and the music in this is just so similar to Hamilton. Was So it, similar. And it was a completely different cast on Broadway? Or was... Yeah, the only one that I personally know is the same, and I could be wrong, is the Abuela. And there are some changes. I know she's a beautiful singer. <laughs> I know Riley was telling me that um, they cut some stuff out of the play, so maybe a traditional ga- person who loves this play would be a little upset. I do know because just I only know this because listening to that one song that the girl who went to Stanford, Nina, both of her parents were alive in the play. Oh, and her mom was dead at least in that song. So maybe one of the things they cut out was maybe her mom dies in the play or something like that. And maybe okay. that's why she doesn't. And they cut I, out that plot. This is just speculation. I, I honestly don't know. But, yeah, yeah, there was obviously no mother. It was a single father. So Well, like we said, the play lends itself to different shit going on. And when you convert it to a movie, I'm sure some stiff stuff gets left behind. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's um, a no- Unless you do the Hamilton and record the play, <laughs> you're going to lose some of that. Yeah, and, I mean, this was two and a half hours almost. So this was still, you know, pretty long. So. They, they kept in as much as they could. Um, plot slash story, Ty, what did you give it as I go over to my sheets to pull up my score? I, I don't know. Uh, I gave it a 15. Okay, 15. Um, didn't blow me away yeah. by any you know stretch of the imagination, but I think it was fairly good. I think for what they were trying to do and, and put this community at the forefront of it and show the different things, show the, the – uh, was it the the salon or whatever and like those people and them moving and the abuela and that community and his dream of going to the dr and the girl from the school and the girl trying to become a fashion designer and all of that shit rolled into one led for a good flowing story where you had interest in every different thing um nothing was slow there was love interest going on and everything like there was always something going on with that being said there was no huge I guess there was a slight plot twist, but I felt slightly predictable yeah. um, with the lottery ticket. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like, it was it was good. So I guess in the original one, Riley was telling me that Abuela doesn't die, and she just oh, cashes so the ticket. Oh, that's so much but less she, cool. But she gives, like, half of it to... It was Navi? And, yeah, and his cousin. Oh, I don't know his name. Um, yeah, I gave this a 14 as well for a lot of the same reasons that you said. Sunny. Um... Just it, it had its story and it had its moments and it had its, you know, things to follow along with. But it was a bit scattered. And, you know, that's just the nature of what you're making here. Yeah. And you're not, you know, and you're not you're telling a story, but you're the, the story is more in the representation and in the kind of cultural aspect of it, which I know some people are still a little upset about because they casted a lot of, you know, like people of Mexican descent. And I guess people are upset because it's not like Dominican, Cuban. Yeah. Which I don't know how many people are actually upset by that. Riley told me people are upset by that. That Very can literally vocal be minority. a contingent of ten people on Twitter. Yeah. Um, but so that's kind of what you're trying to do here. You're not trying to tell this, you know, great story. I mean, Alexander Hamilton. I mean, I don't, I don't have this on my uh, 
my scale because I only started doing this sheet recently. I don't remember what I gave it, but it's almost the same thing, and that's the biggest detriment to Hamilton. It's like, well, I don't even know if that – actually, that might not be a good example. I feel like it is. I Well, I feel like Hamilton's a little bit different because you're following his life, so there at least is some central – you are, yeah, but there's a lot of shit that, like, you're off to war and everything, and, like, yeah. it could be left out, but they go and use those different set pieces with different characters yeah. for reasons, whereas this isn't an entire life. It's a few months. Yeah, for sure. Um, and they cut out the whole summer, which maybe that's part of the play. I don't know. The whole well, There's the blackout, and then it's, like, 30 days after the blackout. Oh, yeah, after the blackout ends. Maybe that's where the biggest jump is. Who knows? But it was fine. I mean, I didn't hate anything. You know, nothing didn't make sense. Um and a 7 out of 10 is kind of how I'm looking at this. You know, 14 out of 20 seems low because you're like, oh, that's 6 points. But if you look at it on a scale from 1 to 10, 7, you know, that just feel, that feels fair. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. And I think the biggest thing for them is to get to their set pieces. Yeah. A narrative way to get to the different set pieces and different large, you know, the huge things that they're putting on. Because first and foremost, this is a musical. Yeah. They're going to have huge set pieces of dancing and singing and, you know, everybody on stage and shit or on on screen yeah um and i think it did a very good job at progressing the story to get to those different key moments great cinematography jay what'd you give it slash visual slash cinematography yeah 19 out of 20 give it an 18 okay um, so our score is all tied up after two i i <laughs> i appreciated some of the shots at the beginning i was like okay i'm not feeling it and i was wrapped in like my Truthfully, like, La La Land mentality, because it was, like, the movie musical that I hold as, like, the high standard. Never seen it. And it's so fucking colorful and vibrant yeah. and everything. And this didn't have that at times. I think that's intentional, though, because that's kind of the the Washington Heights kind of... And that's why, after a while, it kind of... I, I switched mentalities on it and was looking, and it was fantastic. Yeah, because um, as someone who hasn't seen the movie, La La Land's almost kind of like a... I don't know, is it almost like... Not like a fairy tale, but like a... Kind of. And... You know, the, the name itself, La La Land, like, you know, you yes. think of something kind of, you know, out otherworldly or something. And that's why the vibrant colors make sense, where this is more like real life based in reality. Let's get a realistic, you know, representation of this, you know. Yes. And that's why I was fine with it, because it didn't have to be that, that, that. It's just a different it's just a different <laughs> way to do it. Yes. Um, I will say the scene with the fucking abuela when she's about to die in like that tunnel. Yeah. It's one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen. I fucking loved that. Did you cry? I was getting teary-eyed from it, just because, like, I, you knew what was going on there. Yeah. Just the scene and all the people behind her and the lights down the tunnel and, like, I don't know how they did it. I, it, I was like, I told Victoria, I was like, that's a beautiful fucking scene. That was cool. They had one scene where, I know, because Riley pointed out every scene that people liked on Twitter. Um, there was the one <laughs> scene in the beginning where he's looking out the window and you see his face in the window, but then you also see the reflection of everyone dancing outside. Yes. Um, I know Riley was saying everyone liked the pool scene. I don't know why. I mean, I, I liked it. I wasn't blown away by it. Um, but they did some some cool visual stuff, and the dancing was good, at least from someone with the base level of dancing that I know. I'm sure Victoria probably loved has, it. She, okay, so that just makes Very me, good dancing. That just makes me feel like yes. I am more um, credible for what I'm saying. Like, they didn't hire singers to dance. They hired dancers to shut the fuck up and dance. <laughs> um, the, all the dancers were fantastic. Um, there was one scene I didn't like that much is when they were walking up the side of the building. What the? Why did they do that? <laughs> I don't know. It looked ugly. It was so unnecessary. I, I don't know. Well, I think the shot before looked good with the bridge and the sunset and everything. Yeah. Like, that looked great. And then they started walking. And I don't know if they were on, like, a rotating set where, like, that actually rotated during the scene. Because it felt like one long shot. 
I don't know. It looked like bad CGI to me. That too, though. But like, I don't know if it was like a rotating thing on just bad CGI background or what. But it just it didn't feel necessary in the story they're telling. Whereas La La Land's supposed to be this. You're in La La Land, where this yeah. is real Washington Heights, and now we're walking on the side <laughs> of a building. Um, and you know, this is where it kind of overlaps a lot. And maybe you look at it differently, but. You know, music, we always consider cinematography, but that's also the key elements here. So, like I said, there's a lot of overlap there. And, like, it's just the nature of, you know, sometimes we have the characters are overlapping with our key elements or, you know, the plot is overlapping with our key elements. It just depends on the type of movie you're making. Yeah. Um, and this is one of them where these two overlap. And, you know, I liked the music. I agree. Which jumps me into key elements, which I gave a 20. I gave an 18. Okay. Um, I liked the music. It, there wasn't a song stuck in my head. I like the first song. I don't remember the first song. In the Heights. Well, yeah. yeah, I guess that if that's day the first song. Day. But I knew that song like before the movie even came out. I, like, I, I Just from the trailers and shit. Oh, I was like, that's maybe I did. Um, like, but when I look at it like like a Hamilton, like there's multiple songs where I'm like, oh, that shit's good. And it was stuck yeah. in my head for the next few days. This was all good music, but it was nothing like that over the top. Really, really fucking like it, shit. Yeah, I, I really liked the music, but I also liked, I, I took a, I, I was looking at, like I said, this what this play is supposed to be in representative, representative, representation, rep- representative, representative of Washington Heights itself and kind of that community and everything. And I thought they did a really good job of kind of bringing to life. Well, I mean, you're not really bringing to life something that's not real. It is real, but. Like this, you get what I'm saying. Like I thought they did a good job in kind of giving you a, an idea of this community and building up that community dynamic, and doing so in a musical, dancing kind of way. And I did like the music, and you know, it, it's just the Lynn style. Yeah, there's not something I might be singing today, but maybe if I listen to it a little bit more, maybe. Um, but you know, after I saw Hamilton, you know, the actual play, not to brag. Um, we listened to the Hamilton soundtrack on the way home, and I found myself playing the song yesterday on my way to the Quake. So to me, I was like, okay, you know, it got me thinking about it afterwards. So it may, I might play more songs. I like the one song where he uh, is singing to the the car, the the black guy singing at the car dispatch on the, over the overcom. Okay, well, I don't remember the song, but I remember the scene. Well, yeah, I just like that, like the rapid enough and stuff. That was actually okay. originally George Washington. That was Jackson. his character. Yeah, in the original In the Heights. Nice. Um, so I, I don't know. I thought it was really good and you know, 20 out of 20, that's a big score to give, but I gave it anyways. Yeah. I 18. I thought it was very, very well done. I don't think it's that perfect next level for the 20. I think it was a fantastic movie though. Um, and, and like I said, cinematography, I gave 18 key elements. I gave 18. Some movies, those are going to go together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of like a 1917 where yeah. visual cinematography is going to be a 20, and because of that, key elements is going to be a 20. Or just looking at my recent scores here, um, Mad Max. That was a very visual kind of movie. I don't yeah. know. I gave that a 20 19. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the Django got a 20 and a 20, but that's just because it was good. Yeah, that's fair. I gave Inception 19 and 20. Um, yeah. That's all I got. Fuck yeah. But like, like I said, like, these category like key elements is always almost tied into something else in a sense. It's, if it's a, a character driven story, it's going to be with the character score. If it's a story driven fucking mind bender, that's going to be tied into our story score. This one is tied into our cinematography score. Like Talladega Nights, I gave a, a twenty for key elements, and 
20 for characters. And it's not that a, that's so much a character-driven movie. It's just that movie's fucking hilarious because the characters are fucking hilarious. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think when I kind of look at our scale, we have story, cinematography, characters. Key elements is that booster for whatever movie you're creating because I'm not going to hurt uh, you know, a comedy because it isn't artistic. Fuck, that's yeah. on me. That's okay. You got to take that? No. Not all. I'm, I'm looking at my scores. Key elements is usually something is like the category I give the highest, it seems like. Interesting. Noted. I should give myself like averages for all my categories. That's very easy to do on sheets. I could very easily take do that. Take two seconds. <laughs> um, we're up to characters, Ty. I gave this another 14. Okay, I gave it 15. Um, so something happened in this movie that Riley was giving me shit about. But I kept getting confused on who was who. And usually that's not a great thing. And part of it might have been who – that was me not really paying attention. Um, no, the, the dad – the the Stanford dad and the guy who came and um like sold the the property to Usnavi, the financial advisor guy or whatever. They didn't even look remotely similar. I thought they were the same guy. The financial guy wasn't even in the movie that much. And there was a few of them where I was like, wait, was this person in the movie already? And she was like, yes, you need to pay attention. I'm like, I am paying attention. There's so many different faces to remember. I don't think you're paying attention. Um, <laughs> but no, 14 is a good score. And. I thought the characters were fine. I mean, Usnavi was charming, uh, as he was meant to be, and I thought he did a really solid job. I think my favorite character in the entire film was the cousin. Sunny? Um, yeah. I really like Sunny. You know, the girl was okay. Um, the, her, Which you know, girl? The Stanford the college girl. girl. Stanford girl was okay. Her love interest, I felt like I could have got a little bit more depth in that character, and maybe that was just a casualty of... Okay, we're going to... we're gonna. So, Nina... Okay, so yeah, I'll this Stanford girl, Nina. Yes, I thought she was fine. Benny, um, I thought there could have been more depth to that character because you kind of kind of had the dynamic where he's working for her dad and he's kind of in this conflict where her dad sells you know the business, but he wants to support her at the same time and all this stuff and like it, there was some there, but I do feel like it could have been a little bit more. And again, maybe that's just a casualty of shortening it. Like I said, mm-hmm. um, I thought the dad was just generic kind of rich dad doing what he could do for his um, Kevin. Um, doing what he could do for his daughter. Abuela was fine. Um, Vanessa, the love interest, was fine. I just – there wasn't, like – I thought Usnavi was good. I didn't have that, like, standout kind of character that would have made the score higher, in my opinion. That's fair. I think, for me, Usnavi was that standout character. Yeah. Um, and you see the the kind of growth of in him throughout the the movie. Yeah. Um, to transition to where, you know, he's having these fantasies about when he was young and when he was with his dad. And I think that's related to, like, he had his family there. Whereas it's transitioned, and once he loses Abuela and sees everything going on, he realizes that this is his family now. Yeah. Um, And I also am taking into account, like, this is a huge cast with different people. So I think each one's had their own unique little taste to them that I think helped grow it as, as a better story. Yeah. Um, I think it's hard to spend a lot of time with all these different characters. Oh, for sure. But with that being said, I think the ben- Benny had that moment of where he had to fucking take off and go to the taxi place. And, like, you got that characterization. Yeah. Um, Nina with Sonny when she finds out he's undocumented and everything. Like, there's that shit at the at the thing and, like, all the different stuff with her. Um, I, that also it? confused me because Nina got her hair, like, curled. And I was very confused. I just fucked you up. I was like, Riley, is this the same girl? Is that Nina? And she's like, yes. I was like, oh, I thought that was the girl he met at the pool and, like, said hi to. Like, oh I, was <laughs> I was very confused. I was very confused. 
I don't know his love interest name. Oh, Vanessa. There she is. Yeah. Um, I liked her character. I, I it, again, it was just enough to where they weren't just I'm a person in this movie. They each had their own little itty bitty stuff, like Daniela and and the salon shop and all that, and like her her girls. There was all this little stuff, but it was all revolving around Usnavi. Yeah. Um, and and I think his character arc throughout it, with everything else going on, was it was it was fine for me. Yeah. Um, Fifteen is feels like the highest this type of movie can get. Yeah, for sure. Because um, it's just the nature of spending so many time, so much time with different characters, as you don't build that characterization. Yeah, I made a joke that didn't fly well. What was it? <laughs> I, I when Vanessa came back and she like kissed you snobby when he was just about to leave. Uh-huh. I was like, dang, women always stop me from your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Riley did not like that. Riley did not. I didn't mean it as like. I didn't mean it myself. I just because it's kind of like a it's a trope. I mean, let's it be is honest. a trope, and that's that's so. what I was joking about was the trope, not necessarily my own. But I def it was not a good like, personal commentary. As soon as I said it, like I was fucking grabbing the words out of my mouth. <laughs> she did not take it very well. Oh, that's funny. Um, but like, I don't know. Vanessa kind of fucked up. Like, you moved out of Washington Heights and you live in this nice downtown apartment. She's like, but you stay in Washington Heights. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is that about? <laughs> I'm assuming she moved back because, you know, they have kids at the end, whatever. I thought so. You know, the twist that you mentioned at the end is um, we'll spoil. No, if you're listening this far, you've already been spoiled. I mean, we're um, done with the review at that point. He doesn't go to the DR and he stays in Washington Heights, you know, somewhat predictable. I thought I I didn't like how it was like a beach. And then all of a sudden it wasn't a beach. They were just in the bodega the whole time. They should have made the background like they should have just made it look shitty when he was at the beach. Like, oh, why does that look so shitty? And then you realize it's just the wall of the bodega. I thought it was going to be like they were just on vacation in the Dominican Republic or something. Okay. Like, that's what I, I told Riley. Like, oh, it's going to be they're just on a trip in the end scene. Well, as soon as Vanessa was introduced, I'm like, oh, they're going to break up. And the end scene's going to be like her coming in as their parents or whatever. I thought th- I thought that's what they were going to do. Like, he was taking a trip and he was explaining to them why they took that trip, you know, to the DR to visit. Not so much, you know, live there. But it's fine. I'm just – I'm being – I'm sure – when they, you do a musical, you know, it's easier to kind of lie about that you know, twist. At. And this was just something they added in the movie where it's a beach to kind of throw the viewers off. And then, you know, it's whatever. I'm, I'm just complaining over nothing that really matters. No, I get you. I do like the aspect that he made his bodega his island. Yeah. I like that part. Yeah. Um, I don't know, this, is a, this is a good movie. What would you give your enjoyment, Ty? 16. Do we perfectly match scores? I gave it a 15. Just one lower. Um, I just look at other movies. Corella got a 16. I probably enjoyed this a little bit less. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, 16. Probably enjoyed this just a little bit less. Cruella got a 16. This got a 16. Feel like that's on par. I really like Cruella. Mortal Kombat got a 16. Godzilla vs. Kong, 14. This feels right about there. Yeah, I, I feel like, the same way. I like that score. Um, it was a fun watch. It was, if you like Hamilton and that style of music, you will like this music. Yeah. If you're bilingual, you will really like this music. Yeah. Because there were songs where I was enjoying what I was seeing. I did not know what was happening. <laughs> Every Lynn song? Yes. <laughs> he was selling ice cream. Yeah. I <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. I don't know yeah. what's going on, but it was fun to watch. Yeah. The final score? Final score for me on Indie Heights. 
82 out of 100, Jay. 82 out of 100 for me. This is <laughs> this is such a boring fucking podcast. <laughs> Why you say that? We don't disagree. That's fine. That means that the movie the, that just means we're right. Yeah, we're we're right on par with what this should be, and it goes through a strenuous test. Yeah, man. Um, you gave it an 82. I gave it an 82 for final score of 82. And that's above the line. 80 plus is above the line. That becomes our 29th movie to be above the line. Um, Good Boys being the um, that benchmark. The benchmark to get past. 82 puts it right in a tie with her above Step Brothers. Yeah, that's fair. Step Brothers has no fucking story. Um, slightly under Birds of Prey. Slightly under Uncut Gems. Slightly under Jesus I adjusted my Birds of Prey score to 84. Yeah. I re- watched it recently. Uh-huh. Feels right. Yeah, I, I need to go back and do a um a prom. Um, Just change. Where are we at? Because I gave it a 70. <laughs> not, no. That is not a 70 movie. Cherry, I gave a 71. I stand by that. I like that film. The prom, that's just wrong. It, it's wrong. I gave it a 57. That feels even high. I gave, It's because I gave it like a 19 on fucking visuals and cinematography or key elements or whatever. It was key elements, and I was like, I just didn't like the music. Yeah, and I probably should give it like a 10, which would have brought it down to like a 60. And Yeah. You get suckered in by those songs, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. It was a mistake by me. Um, Armin White has reviewed this movie, Ty. How do you think he feels oh. about it? Yeah, I mean, it's a 90-plus on Rotten Tomatoes. I've never been more sure of Rotten in my life. Uh, rotten. Rotten rating. Yeah. Um, oh, let me guess. He's going to say something about, about the appropriation of the <laughs> Latin culture. Have you read this? No. Also, it's a completely off-the-cuff guess. Miranda's cultural misappropriation. <laughs> <laughs> in Miranda's cultural mis- misappropriation in In the Heights is the grotesque product of a mainstream culture that seeks a Latino figure who is acceptable precisely because he is politically and artistically non-threatening. So so what he's saying here is he cultural misappropriated this movie, and it's part of a mainstream idea that people want to see a Latino figure that's not, you know, that's just kind of like a goofball kind of, you know, good guy. Are we sure Armin Wright is a white? Armin White is a writer, and not just like a computer programmer because these feel like they're written by bots. It the yeah. fact that I can guess his first line feels like it's just written by a fucking computer program. Like he just enters in all the details in the movie. He's like, "Oh, Latino, a cultural appropriation." In the Heights, this is the actual article itself. In the Heights is cultural erasure. Not celebration. June 11th, 2021 at 6.30 a.m. is when this was posted. The worst cultural appropriation of Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights comes from the maestro himself. Altering lyrics from the song 96,000, he reflects the current Obama-style imperiousness. Miranda had originally composed a black Latino's strivers cheer. And this was the original quote. I'll be a businessman richer than Nina's daddy, Donald Trump, and I own the links and he's my caddy. Now Miranda rewrites it, rewrites it as Tiger Woods and I own the links instead of Donald Trump and I own the links. Donald Trump's a he's a bad golfer. Yeah, I but that one Tiger line. Tiger Woods is a much better golfer. 
this update weekend. I would rather be Tiger Woods. I will say it, Jay. I'll take a stand. I think Tiger Woods is a better golfer than Donald Trump. This update weakens the social and economic punch. It prevents In the Heights from celebrating triumphant American aspiration. Now it's simply about cultural erasure and self-delusion. Miranda's Hamilton wasn't a great show, but it epitomized the Obama era of political power worship through bizarre racial patronization. Now Miranda proves it was all in exchange for pettiness and Soviet-style dishonesty? Miranda composed a 2008 show about New York City's Dominican Republic enclave in Washington Heights as if he was putting its non-white immigrant community on display. It's the same local color concept handed down from the Porgy and Bess, West Side Story, Zoo Suit, and Do the Right Thing. Miranda shamelessly pilfers all four but goes light on sociological angst. His loose story frame about hustling, hardworking little people like bodega owner Yusnavi, car service owner Kevin, and dreamer Benny imitates the hip-hop comedy's next day air and lottery ticket. Miranda, incredibly talented, quote-unquote, as the media <laughs> dubs him, puts these keystones through his personal Broadway processor machine and Hollywood's awkward earsats result derationates their essence even further. Whose idea was it to hand Puerto Rican Miranda's shallow... Puerto Rican Miranda's shallow Dominican folktale over to John M. Chu, director of Crazy Rich Asians, the most ethically fake, aggressively woke movie of 2018. In the, area, in the era when racial groups complained about not being seen, Chu depicts the other as outsiders see them. Diversity stereotypes, proud ethnic minions. Miranda's gimmick of erasing Trump and travestying race in politics is exacerbated by Chu's ultra-slickness. I don't even know if I want to keep reading this. <laughs> so just one thing. Um, he said as as fake talented Miranda is or something like that. Mm-hmm. Has this guy seen Moana? <laughs> You're probably giving it a rotten. Uh, this is moving down a little bit. And yet, In the Heights phony communal style suits Miranda's inauthentic Broadway rap. He owes his breakthrough to Eminem's white hip-hop breakthrough. <laughs> It's too I don't f- hate that comparison. <laughs> it's too fast, non-sensual, and bloodless. Miranda's rushed combinations of rap and res- recitative, res- recitative breaks breaks the spirit of blues, marangu, maring. I don't know. I'm criticizing him. I can't even read these fucking words. And bachata. This is classic. You use big words, so I know maring marung is like a music term, whatever. Okay. And barata. That's supposed to represent the heart of ethnic peoples. In parentheses. My syntax is highly – oh, this is – quote, my syntax is highly complicated due to the fact that, end quote, typifies Miranda's tortured rhyme scheme. What if Eminem's a ghostwriter for Miranda? And he's just got, like, a soft Broadway side of him, and he just doesn't want, like, to change his public persona? Maybe. Dude, I fucking – this guy is just so dumb. I'm also blown away right now. Um, I just realized something. Vanessa – in this film, mm-hmm. I thought she was the girl from Blockers. Which one, G- Geraldine? Uh, Viswanathan. Wow, that's a name. Viswanathan. I is she? She's not. And I definitely thought the entire time it was the same girl from Blockers. Hmm. Look her up. I will after this. I'm just trying to. Um, I'm reading something right now. Is he is um, also shitting on Loki? No, it's two episodes. What doesn't he like about the chemistry between Owen? <laughs> I'm Wilson? just gonna I'm just gonna read this. 
this is fit. This is on brand. Or you know, we talked about Loki earlier, so I feel like I'm not going on too much of a tangent here. Marvel and Disney's travesty, and this is about Loki, is unacceptable following Zack Snyder's Justice League, a visionary <laughs> narrative that was a restoration in the grandest sense, enlarging its characters' personal, principled choices. Snyder's sensual, kinetic imagery gave aesthetic substance, emotional weight, and suspense to human dilemma, even when told through the analogies of godlike or superhuman figures. That was just a review for Zack Snyder's Justice League. I don't fucking... This guy is just... Oh, man. Yeah. Why does he like Zack Snyder so much? I don't know. And, like, his movies. Does Zack Snyder... Oh, I mean, he gave Army of the Dead Rotten. Um, why does he like his comic book movies so much? Like, what is Zack Snyder... What, is DC paying him? Shit, maybe, man. But I don't know if that's the guy I want in my corner. Like, if I'm going to pay someone to be on my side, it's not him. I'm going to pay him to shit on my movie. I just... It's just funny, too, because if he was at least rotten about everything, then I'd be like, okay, he's just, you know, But negative. it's the fact that he, he picks and chooses. Well, he's he's living rent free in our fucking head, dude. He really is. No, but the fact that he gives, like, so many rotten movies a fresh rating, you know what I mean? And, like, all these just good movies that are, like, you know, like, it's it's everything. Like, it, it's hard to find a movie where that has a high score that he gives fresh. I mean – just looking at his his ratings, I mean, all the movies that he's given a good rating that already have a high score, yeah, are like, like foreign films that like no one's watched. Got it. I think it's just the I'm smarter than you, complex. I think so too. I think so too because he went on that that run where he literally reviewed every single Oscar nominated film and gave them all rotten, every single one. Yeah, he's just smarter than everyone. But, like, he did it, like, he did them all at once. I'm just going to drop my Oscar nom rotten folder. If it was up to him, fucking Man of Steel and, you know, the Snyder Cut would win Best Pictures. Fuck yeah. Which, you were a bigger fan of the Snyder Cut than <sighs> me, but I think even you agree that he's kind of fucking Let's see what I give a fanboy. It's a big name, so it should be easy to find. Zack Snyder's... I gave a 76. It's fine. It's not above the line. <laughs> he did give Toy Story 2 fresh, though. That's good. That's a well-received movie. What about Paddington? <laughs> I don't know if he's reviewed Paddington. I don't, I, I don't know how to, like, search his. <laughs> um, but he did give Jojo Rabbit Parasite. We've talked about this before. I don't need to talk about all this again. Uh, we both gave it 82, Ty. Random Rotten Tomatoes movie. So we might need to, to switch this up to end the pod because I don't know if you ever even heard this movie. You heard of the movie Brooklyn? No. Mm. What's about? Young Irish immigrant Ellis Lace navigates her way through 1950s Brooklyn. I picked it because in Washington Heights, you know, kind of a suburb. Brooklyn is, you know, one of the big um, – I can't think of the word right now in New York City, but you've never heard of it. Um, Providences. Maybe. No, it's Canada. Um, but that movie, uh, the lady was um, nominated for Best Picture or Best Actress. She didn't win. Um, that movie got a 97. But if you've never heard of it, then there's no point in doing that. So we'll do a different random movie. Um, let's see here, Ty. This is totally on the fly. This is terrible radio. I should have been prepared. A burrow. Burrow. Got you. Thank you for that, Ty. Got you. Let's see here. Okay. I'm going to pick this movie just because... Talk know, to me, Jay. I know you've heard of it. 
So this movie filmed in New York. I picked another movie. It's Apocalyptic New York. It has the, the poster is a picture of the Statue of Liberty underwater. Do you even know the film? The day after tomorrow? The day after tomorrow. We had to do a project in video productions. Remember recreating that oh, scene? Fuck yeah, the helicopter guy gets in the snow. With all this, the things. Don't be looking it up. They stripped the audio. Yeah, we had to redo it. So and like hard. everyone's fucking helicopter was like whoosh, 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 whoosh. Like the whoosh. Everyone was just... too embarrassed to do like voiceover oh, work. Oh, me too. And so like one kid did it all for the entire class. Oh, I was too embarrassed to do voiceover work too. And I just, I was also too shy to ask people to use their um, voices. So I got like a 60% on it. And Brown was like, your noises were great, but you had no voiceover. Like why? And I was like, I just was too scared. Yeah, we were all covered. One kid just did it. And we're like, hey, can we just use yours, dog? And he was like, yeah. Day After Tomorrow, Ty, released in 2004, two hours and four minutes, PG-13 rated, starring, directed by Ronald Emmerich, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm. Jake Gyllenhaal's in there? So, Emmy Rossum and Dennis Quaid. Emmy Rossum's in that? Yeah. That's the girl from from Shameless. I said Rossum, it's Rossum. My apologies, Emily Rossum. What did this film get, Ty? I feel like it was not well-received. I'm looking at your reflection in your glasses to make sure you're not looking this up. I feel like it was not well received. <laughs> stop looking at it. <laughs> um, so. I need you to stop looking at your computer, sir. I literally just showed you my fucking screen. I can't see it from there. Um, so. Here's my thought process here, Jay. Okay. That's in New York. Mm-hmm. We just discussed it. A borough in New York is Brooklyn, the former movie you were going to have me review. Okay. Go back a few years. Brooklyn had a baseball team. Brooklyn Dodgers. A lot of years. Not a few years. A lot of years. A couple years in the grand scheme of things. I'm watching Loki. I'm on big scale that's, right now. That's true. I, that is actually true. Yeah. Brooklyn had a famous player named Jackie Robinson. He wore number 42, 42%. <laughs> 45%. Fucking come on. <laughs> You're almost there, Ty. I got a 45%, 6.4 on IMDb. Um, 9% of Google users like this movie. It was a R.I.P. Tyler Skaggs, not Jackie Robinson. Jesus Christ. 45. So this is his number. Rest what, in peace. Are they ever going to retire his number, you think? Probably not. If they didn't retire Aiden Hart's number, they're not going to retire his number. Yeah, Aiden Hart's was more tragic. Uh, 50% audience score, for those that are wondering. Go watch The Day After Tomorrow. I've seen it once. Go strip one scene from audio and recreate it. Yeah. <laughs> of the helicopter crashing into the glacier. We'll send the it glacier. to you. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got for you, Ty. Um, next week. Luca. Yep. Um, two boys in Italy. Just like us. Two boys in Asperia talking about two boys in Italy. I, I think they have other stuff going on. I think they're actually boys. Do you know I have a hookup to stay somewhere in Italy? How? What? Mike Linscog from the Quakes. Just name drop him real quick. Nice. Has a house in Italy. He's just got a home in Italy. Says I can use it Hold on. Is I this go. the voice of the Quakes? Yes, this is the voice of the Quakes. That's a very... <laughs> That's fucking cool. So he said, hey, you ever go to Italy? Let me know. Stay at my place. No charge. I he, said, okay. He has like a Lexus and everything. It's all set up to his voice. <laughs> he just wake up to the voice of the quakes. <laughs> uh, Luca next week. Loki episode three. Um, Sports whenever we get to it. We're going to figure that out. Yeah. Movie we have like. Each movie or each week, we got a movie and a, and a thing. Sports just are evergreen; they just are always happening. Well, we're and also we got in full a... schedules, and it's the slow time of the year for baseball. And yeah, could talk about Tyler Glasnow hurting his arm because of the rule changes. That was probably a decent talking point. 
I, I'm kind of over talking about substances, if I'm being honest. I've said what I've had to say. Like, it, they fucked it. That's all I got to say. No, no, we'll figure out when we do sports. But Luca, Loki, within the lines. Within the lines, Luca, Loki. WTLL Wednesday. Yep. Be good friend, everybody. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.